This is Stories with Amos. I'm Holly. Amos Campbell was an entrepreneur, candy maker, dreamer, as well as my late grandfather. And not least of all, he was quite the storyteller. Back in 2007, when I was still a teenager, I interviewed Amos with the intention of one day documenting his life in a biography. The two of us would sit down at a park with just him, myself, and a tape recorder. But now instead of using these recordings to write down the stories on his behalf, I decided to let Amos speak for himself on his very own podcast. Bear in mind, these are old stories taped on old cassettes with an old tape deck amid the background noise of a public park. The quality of these unedited, long-form recordings, and even some of Amos's word choice and storytelling, are byproducts of their time. So I apologize in advance for any parts of this that are difficult to listen to, occasionally in more ways than one. But with that aside, I hope you enjoy this collection of stories with Amos. Let's listen together to this chapter in Grandpa's life. See what date is today? Uh, the ni- 19, yes, the 19th of June. And uh, 19, or 19, 2007. And Holly and I are sitting here in the park, and uh, we're making this recording on my life and uh, your her grandmother's life and the kids' life and everybody. Okay, you, you have those pictures there, honey, and uh, they are of your grandmother and myself and uh, a lady or girl by the name of Virginia Williams, although she's married now, uh, and her last name is... Uh, R-E-T-T-I-G. How do you pronounce that? Rick? Anyhow, uh, but she met that fella back whenever your grandmother and I were dating. But those pictures are about uh, us. And uh, I, I think uh, Virginia took most of those pictures there. Do you have any questions on that? Where uh, I think we were probably in the park and walking. Mm-hmm. I don't recall just exactly where we were at that time. Okay, you know a friend of... Not only a friend of your grandmother's, but she worked for your grandmother in the, in the store. Because your grandmother managed the uh, soda fountain there in the Wayland Gun stores there on Jefferson and uh, Main Street in Baltimore. And the, oh, I, I, I was telling sheep they come into the, into the Isley store uh, your uh, grandmother, and I think there's about three other ladies that was with her, with her. She had just arrived in Butler at that time. So the, we started flirting with the girls, you know, uh, all the fellas. And we had bet, bet them that, uh, they, that they couldn't eat more than, I think it was 10 Klondikes. If they could, why we would pay for all of it. But they wouldn't pick us up on that. But anyhow, I guess it was maybe the next day I went into the drugstore because they had a soda fountain in there and a, and a lunch counter, and she managed it. And I sit down at the counter there, and I got to talking to her, and I guess I asked her for a date. I don't just remember the detail and at that rate. Uh, what did you say? Did she say yes? Did she say yes? Yes, she sure did say yes, and I guess the rest is history now, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, anyhow... Uh, did you go on your date? Well, of course, back then, I didn't have an automobile, and it was during the war, 
you couldn't get any money for gas or anything like that. But there was, oh, I think four different theaters there in Butler. And uh, we would go to the show quite often. And we would go for a lot of walks. And uh, we, there was another Isley store there in Butler, the South Side store. And we would go over there and spend time. And uh, we just got acquainted that way. From time to time, we would go out to my home uh, in Shakura. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty much the, the whole gist of it. Yes, she worked for the Whale and Drug Store in West Virginia, down in Charleston, and uh, she transferred. They transferred her from Charleston up here to Butler to manage the uh, the lunch counter up here. Okay, well, I'll I'll tell you about going to Isley's and uh, getting the job. Whenever I was 14, 13, 14 years old, I had been behind in school uh, by two or three years. I was a, a big for my age, and uh, we had been into Butler, Dad and I, and uh, every, and we were into a pants shop. They call it Arrow Pants Shop. There was a little Jewish man that run it. Dad was there to buy a pair of pants, and I was there with him. And uh, I, I said to the guy, I said, do, do you ever need any help in here during the summertime? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, he said. And I said, well, as soon as I'm out of school, I'd like to get a job. Now, Shakur is about 10 or 12 miles from Butler. Of course, I didn't drive. I didn't have, I didn't have license to drive. But I, I, hitchhiking was very, very popular back in those days. It was during the war, and they encouraged people to stop and pick up hitchhikers. A lot of soldier boys, sailors, and so forth would hitchhike. In fact... I did a lot of it myself, and I would, uh, generally, you could find a soldier boy or a sailor that was out hitchhiking, I'd go up and drum a, a conversation with him, and a car would come by, we'd both come, and they'd stop, and I would, but they always stopped for soldier boys and servicemen. But anyhow, uh, the guy told me, yeah, he said, when school's out, come back in, so school, the day before school's out, I went back in, it was on... Uh, I think about the 30th of May in 1942, and I came back and I went into the uh, the pants shop and I told the guy I was there. Uh, oh, he says I, I oh once in a while I have a but he says I've got a guy now. After he told me that, you know, <laughs> but uh, I said, do you know of any place else that would uh, hire young fellows now? Well, he said you could drive up at the hot dog shop or up at the Isley store. So I went right up to Isley's, and uh, I think that was on about a Friday of that week. I, I went right up to the Isley store, and I went in, and the manager, Joe Yashe, he was standing at the front counter. Not standing, he was working, they were real busy. And I, uh, he wanted to wait on me, and I said, no, I, said, I wanted to see you. He said, uh, uh, about what? And I said, I'd like to have a job. He says, go back there at the end of the counter and stand back there. And he says, I'll be right back. Now, that was a great big store. And I think, that, as well as I remember, we generally had somewhere around 50 kids working in that store. I mean, uh, different shifts, of course, and, and not full time. But we had a lot of young men and young women uh, that were, worked in the store. I went back and stood at the end of the counter. Now, mind you, I, I had just turned 14 in, in the previous November. And the guy came back, and uh, Joe did, and uh, he asked me, 
where I lived, and I told him I'd lived in Shakur, and he wanted to know, well, how would I get back and forth to work? And I told him, well, my dad worked down here in uh, the uh, shop, and I could ride sometimes with him, and I could also hitchhike back, and he said, okay. He said, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 16. And uh, he said something else, and I said, no, Joe, I'm not 16, I'm only 14. <laughs> I couldn't lie to him. <laughs> and he kind of laughed, and he said, well, you'll need working papers. He said, you, uh, he asked me some other questions. I, uh, he told me I had to wear white pants and a white shirt and a, a black bow tie. And, of course, we had to buy that ourselves. And so uh, he told me to come to work on Tuesday morning at 10.30. Now, that was in June the 3rd. That was on your mother's birthday. Of course, it was long before your mother's birthday. June the 3rd, 1942. They, they had had Pearl Harbor in December 7th in 1941. So the war had started. But anyhow, I was just so thrilled. I went home and I got a job. I told mom and I told her what I needed and I went back into Butler and bought me a, I think she loaned me the money because money was very, very scarce. But I went in and bought a pair of white pants and a white shirt and I came back and mother ironed them up for me. Then on Tuesday morning, I was to be there at 10.30 in the morning because I was going to wash dishes and pick dishes up off the tables. And I think I was there at maybe, oh, quarter to nine, maybe 8.30 or quarter to nine. It was a, about an hour early, you know. And uh, But I was just so thrilled to have that job. And I'll tell you, uh, Holly, I I learned an awful lot. I learned a lot at Isley's. I mean, in so many, many different ways about people. Because, you know, before I went to work for Isley's, I, I was 14 years old, and I had never eaten in a restaurant. I mean, I was a little farm boy, you know. Uh, we always carried our lunch to, you know, the school. Of course, they had to go in the butler once in a while, and uh, we were allowed to go in with them, my brother Frank and I. Uh, but uh, when I went to work for Isley's, I mean, the whole world opened up for me. And I learned so much. I learned an awful lot about my business life from Isley's, because they paid bonuses uh, after, uh, you know, after you become a manager. Of course, you know, when I went to work for them, I didn't think I would, uh, I would ever be a manager at all. But as time went by, by lo and behold, I, I, I became, uh, well, I, I uh, asked the, uh, the supervisor, George Latsko, that would come into the store and uh, the manager and I told uh, George I'd been there about, oh, I think maybe close to three years. So um, oh, maybe not that long. I was maybe a year or so. And I told George Latsko that I wanted to be an assistant manager. And, of course, it was during the war, and it was so hard to get, you know, fine. And even though I was just a young kid, and because I, I tried to do a real good job for them, you know, and I tried to be polite, and I tried to be a company person, I tried to be a customer person, you know, and treat people right, and smile, and try to sell, and uh, promptness, and I was always on work on time, and I, mostly a way ahead of time, because I, I, I just, I just felt so good at Isley's, you know. But George Latsko did. He one day came in and told me, he says, Amos, I need an assistant manager up in uh, Oil City. So that's 
quite a few miles up there, so he said, I'll pick you up, take you up there, uh, which he did, and of course, uh, what that did too, that got me into the world of where I decided that, hey, I don't need school, and uh, I didn't feel I had been treated right in school anyhow, and so I, I quit school and went to work for Asdis, and uh, I got through the eighth grade. Well, I quit while I was in the eighth grade, but at that time, you know, I was 15 years old, and in the eighth grade, uh, I was, uh, this I've never told, I, I don't know if your dad even knows this, because I was never real proud of the education that I didn't get. But I, I know one time at home, I, I was so backward because I was big and I was behind in school. And uh, uh, I went to my mother one summer, just before I went into the eighth grade. And I said, uh, Mom, I said, I, I, I'm embarrassed to go to school. And I said, I wonder if I went to if I would go to the principal and find out if I went to summer school after I'm through the seventh grade, because I was an A and B student all the time, you know. Uh, after, of course, that's another story. B, we only went to that uh, that school after I was in the fourth grade, but after I got there in that school, because I'd done all this failing before that. And whenever I went to the, that school, uh, I, I, I turned into an A-B student all the time. I'm everything. I still have my report cards from that. So I, I told Mom, I said, you know, if I could go to the principal and see if I couldn't take summer school this summer, and then I wouldn't have to go to the eighth grade next year, I could go right into high school. So uh, Mother said, well, that's fine. You go ahead and talk to Mr. Salisgiver, was his name. So I went into Mr. Salisbury, and I mean, he was a real mushy-mushy guy. You know? uh, I mean, I, this made me dislike him so much. And I went in, and I sat down, and I had my old report cards with me, and I showed him uh, how I was doing, and I told him what I wanted to do. I wanted to take and go to summer school, and I said I would uh, do everything I can, and I would go long and I'd work hard. I would take as many classes as I needed to take if he would let me go then to uh, freshman in high school in the fall. And he kind of, well, Mr. Campbell, <laughs> you know, uh, he said, uh, the state law says that you have to spend 180 days in each class. Now, some classes I'd spent two years in back before I got there to that school. And he says, and I can't change the law. And there's nothing I can do about it. And I guess it was at that point, Holly, that I decided that school doesn't have anything to offer to me. And I can't get ahead here. I know where I can get ahead. And uh, because I was working for Isley's at that time. So I, the next fall, I did start back in the eighth grade. I went Oh, a month or so, a couple of months, and finally I just gave it up. Dad took me over one evening to Mr. Saul's Givern, told him, he said, we're letting us go out of school. But uh, it, it really, uh, you know, it, it says an awful lot about the laws. <laughs> but, uh, but anyhow, that's the story of schooling. Let's go ahead and record this.
uh, you, you said that they just let me quit. And, and he did. Now, you have to bear in mind that I was one of nine kids. And uh, there, for years, uh, Dad worked for P.J. Osterling's there in Butler, the feed store. And uh, for and he worked eight days, a, or, I'm sorry, six days a week, eight hours a day. On Saturday, he went in and worked for four hours in the morning. And they paid him $19.25 uh, a week for that. And he had nine kids to keep. You know, and of course, uh, we were all expected, and we all did. We all, we farmed. I mean, we raised uh, cattle and pigs and chickens, and and we did a lot of truck patching. I mean, my mother would can oh, half gallons of beans for the hundreds every fall of the year, just so that we could live, just so that we would have something to eat. And, and a young fellow, ambitious and living in that kind of an environment, and Dad knew, you know, uh, so, yeah, he left me go ahead and quit. Uh, you asked who Dad worked for. When uh, I was very young, Dad worked as a mechanic. He had his own... Well, I think I was telling you that on the last tape. And then he... Uh, did I tell you about the chickens that he bought? Okay, and then he went to uh, work for this uh, uh, feed company, P.J. Osterlands. And that's where he was... Uh, was paying back the debt, and that's what he got to bring home. I mean, for a long time, you know. Well, it was, it was. Uh, although we, we, we never thought we were poor, but I guess we must follow you. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, my sister Jane and I and Joanne, we used to play. If Jane had a mandolin. I bought a guitar when I went to work for Isley's. Uh, I, I, it was a Gibson guitar, I think it was. And we used to play guitar and sing, and I mean, all of those old songs. Now, if I'm repeating any of this here, if I use this tell me you, you, I told you that before. <laughs> okay. Something else you want to ask? I was going to ask if your mom did, like, any, she had, like, any jobs on the side. No, mother never worked. Mother was home. It was a big job with nine kids. That's where she was, and that's where she wanted to be. But, uh, uh, of course, we always, uh, we always had cows. Frank and I brought milk the cows. Did you ever milk the cow? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and, uh, but we would, and we had the hogs that we would slaughter, you know, and, uh, we would help, uh, clean those, those hogs after we killed them, you know, and beef and chicken. enjoy this episode of Stories with Amos. This podcast series was produced and edited by my husband Ian. Music arrangement also by Ian. Credit to Amos Campbell, our grandpa Jupy, for the original recordings. I'm so grateful to have these stories preserved in his beloved memory. I have been your host, Holly. Tune in to another episode of this limited series podcast as we explore these old recordings together with Grandpa narrating the journey. Thank you for listening.